It's the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder, pastor of North Shore Vineyard. Today on the podcast, we have a message from one of the members of our teaching team. She's spoken many times at this church. This is Penny Murray, and she's going to be delivering a message called Awake out of a passage in Genesis that, that talks about Jacob waking up to the revelation that God was all around him. So, some really good stuff here. Uh, stay tuned with all the things we've got coming up at northshorevineyard.org. We've got plenty of things, outreaches and activities coming up in the next couple of months. So, stay tuned for that. Let's head to the talk, North Shore Vineyard, downtown Coffee. Good morning. Um, Crispin is taking the weekend off, so you get me. Um, Thanks for showing up. So, uh, hold on one second. Okay, so we're not going to be in John. I thought we were going to be past that point. Uh, So, I wanted to talk about a passage that has really meant a lot to me in the past year. So, if you have your Bibles, And you like to open them up, Uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 20, or maybe you use your phone or iPad. I don't know what you crazy kids are into anymore, but sometimes I'll notice people with their phone, and and it's like, are they they even paying attention? So I pretend they're pulling up the scripture. Uh, I'm going to start reading at verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set, Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Now, the story of Jacob and his family is one of my favorite biblical narratives. And if I'm being honest, the reason why is because it reminds me of reality television. Jacob and his family, they're a hot mess. And the Bible records and gives us an inside look at this family and all of its dysfunction. So I want to give you a quick little 30-second recap of what took place before this passage, tell you a little bit about the characters. First off, we have Isaac, the patriarch of this family, and then we have his wife, Rebecca. And Isaac and Rebecca have two twin sons, and these men have been tied up in some epic sibling rivalry since they were in the womb, literally. Now, the first son, firstborn, is Esau. The Bible describes him as a real manly man, He's red-skinned, he has severe body hair issues, he smells like the outdoors, and he likes to kill things. And he is dad's favorite. And then we have our main character today, which is Jacob. 
Jacob is described by the Bible as a mama's boy. I think that's the Hebrew translation there. And he likes to stay indoors and be close to home. And Jacob has identity issues. In fact, his very name means deception. Now, Jacob's story is a story of rivalry, favoritism, lies and deception, manipulation, theft, blessing, cursing, loss of family, loss of home, everything that we crave in daytime television. This family has it all. So this is what took place. Jacob has combined forces with his mother to deceive his elderly and dying father by impersonating his hairy brother to steal his blessing and birthright. Jacob is successful. Esau finds out, and he is angry. So now Esau is plotting revenge and murder, but he's going to wait until after dad dies, maybe give or take 15 minutes after the funeral. So mom finds out about this, and she tells Jacob, son, you need to go for a while. So that's what took place. Jacob is running away from his dysfunctional family, and then he falls asleep on a rock. Still trying to figure that one out. So he has a dream, and in this dream, God appears. And God says, hey, man, it's me, God, the God of your dad and your granddad. And I'm here to tell you, I'm going to bless you. Do you see all this land? Man, all of this is for you and your kids and their kids and their kids. And I am going to use your family to bless the entire world. And I am going to be with you. And I just got to stop and say, really, God, this family? I don't mean to question his judgment, but was there not somebody else here that might have been a better choice? But you know, I think God just really likes a challenge. I think it makes it more fun for him. So Jacob is woken up, and at that point, he says, God was here. God was here in this place, and I was not aware of it. A man lies down in what he thinks is a God-forsaken place and wakes up to experiencing God, and that's what I want us to zone in on today because maybe there are places in our life that God is showing up and we're not aware of it. Uh, my daughter, Skylar, is seven years old. She was going to be in here. I was a little worried, but then she decided to leave. Um, I wanted to tell you a story about Skylar. She is fantastic, uh, but she has this way of asking questions really thoughtful, deep questions that are impossible to answer. And this started at least around the age of five. One time she comes up to me and she says, Mom, if God is real, why does he let bad things happen? And I looked at her and I said, yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Would you like a cookie? <laughs> Sometimes that's all I've got, guys. That's the only parenting trick um, that I have up my sleeve. So a couple weeks ago, we're driving in the car, and we're talking about God. And she says to me, I'm just not that into him, Mom. Yeah, I just, I felt like a winning parent right about then. I said, okay, uh, why don't you tell me about that? And she said, well, you know, I try talking to him, and he just doesn't talk back to me. I'm just not sure what he's ever done for me, really. And it doesn't really seem like he's there, so I'm just not, not that into him. Okay, when you're seven, um, you haven't been conditioned to give the correct answers yet, right? You just say whatever it is you think. And if I'm being honest, 
man, I have felt like that. I have felt like Skylar. I have gone through very confusing, very frustrating times in my life where I have asked questions like, why didn't you show up the way I was told you would? Why didn't you show up the way I expected you to? Why can it seem so difficult to figure you out, to hear you, to know if you're really there? I mean, why do you seem so quiet and so distant? So, I mean, I'm intimately familiar with this. I felt like I'm actually in a good position to have this conversation with Skylar. First. So I look at her and I say, you know what, Sky? I get it. I really do. It, it can seem so hard to connect with God because he's not like you and me. We can't see him and hear him the way you and I can see and hear each other. But I think this is why he sent Jesus. Because people could see him and they could hear him and they could touch him. And finally, they would know what God is like because they had actually been with Jesus. And I think that's kind of how he works today. You know, your family and your friends and this church, all these people who surround you and love you, a huge part of that, I believe, is God loving you through the people in your life. You experience him through these relationships. So you have to kind of listen with your heart. And maybe experiencing God isn't exactly the way you thought it was. But he's there. He's with you through these relationships. Now, Jewish rabbis, they have a very interesting way of exploring scripture. And they do it through these stories. These stories are called midrash. And what they do is they, they kind of fill in the gaps left within the biblical text. They explore what might have happened below and above and in between the story. Now, the Jewish tradition says that the splitting of the Red Sea, you guys saw the Charlton Heston movie? Okay, splitting of the Red Sea so that Moses and the Israelites could cross. To them, this is considered the greatest miracle ever performed, that on that day, just a common servant would have beheld something more awesome than all of the miracles seen by Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel combined. Now, there's one Jewish midrash that mentions two men, Reuben and Shimon, and these two Israelites had a very different experience of the parting of the Red Sea. So while the Red Sea was safe to walk on, it was actually muddy, kind of like a beach at low tide. And when Reuben stepped out onto the bottom of the sea, he said, what is this muck? And Shimon, right beside him, says, man, there's, there's mud all over the place. This, this is just like the slime pits of Egypt, says the first guy. What's the difference, replies Shimon. Mud here, mud there, it's all the same. And that's how they continued across the bottom of the sea, grumbling and complaining the whole way across. And because they never once looked up, they did not understand why on the distant shore, everyone else was singing songs of praise. Because for Reuben and Shimon, the miracle never happened. You know, at times in my journey, I can get God just locked down in this very specific, very small, very tight little box. And I can be so focused on what I believe he should be doing 
or what I want from him or what I think God's presence in my life should look like or comparing my experience to the experiences of others, I miss I miss what he's actually doing. And I find myself staring into this little box that I believe he's supposed to fit in, and I forget to look up. Let's fast forward a second to Jesus. In the book of John, which y'all might be a little familiar with, we find Jesus at Jacob's well. And there is a woman who's just going about her normal, mundane tasks, And she is not aware of who else is present. And I love that it's here at Jacob's well that Jesus talks about experiencing God in unexpected places. He tells her, you don't don't have to go over to a mountain to worship God. You don't have to be inside of a temple. Earlier in John, he's speaking with the religious leader and he tells him, hey man, you don't have the market on God. The spirit of God, it blows where it pleases. What he's getting at is that God isn't camping on a mountain. He's not over here locked in a temple, and you don't get to place boundaries on the Spirit of God. He doesn't follow the rules we think he should. He doesn't fit in our boxes, and he does not exclude himself from the everyday experiences of a guy like Jacob or a Samaritan woman or people like you and me because God's ways His ways aren't our ways. He's actually more generous. He's more loving. He's more gracious. And he's definitely more creative than we could ever imagine. You know, I used to think that you had to, you know, show up to a place like this to experience God, right? You have to show up to a church building as if they're big box retail stores. And that's where you show up to get your bag of God for the week. You hear the right sermon, you pray the right prayer, you sing the right songs, you go through the formula, and that's how you connect with God. But what I found is he's so much bigger than our buildings. He's bigger than our songs. He cannot be contained by a sermon or a particular denomination or a certain pastor. So what's the point? Why didn't we sleep late? That sounds good, doesn't it? I'll tell you why I come here, why I think we all come here. We come here to practice Because becoming aware and awake to the presence of God, at least for me, it takes a lot of practice. I have to stop and notice and focus and become fully present to the love of God in his presence. We practice learning to see him in here so that we will be ready to see him out there. And just like I told Skylar, I experience him through the relationships in my life. So when we're out on the patio and we're pouring coffee, and I'm listening to your stories, and we're laughing, and I'm experiencing your hugs, I am feeling the presence of God in my life. That is holy. And when we come in here, and we sing together, and we pray together, and we wrestle with these scriptures together, I am learning to experience God when we receive forgiveness, and then we learn to offer it to each other. When we take a piece of bread, and we dip it into a cup, It's preparing us for when we leave. We come here on Sundays to experience him in a particular place so that we can be aware of him every other place that we find ourselves. Uh, I want you to get out your hand out. I want to read to you something written uh, written by the author Henry Nowen that has had a profound personal impact on my life. Just read along with me. 
To pray, I think, does not mean to think about God in contrast to thinking about other things. Or to spend time with God instead of spending time with other people. Rather, it means to think and live in the presence of God. And as soon as we begin to divide our thoughts about God and thoughts about other people and events, we basically remove God from our daily life and we put him in a pious little niche where we can think pious thoughts and experience pious feelings. And although it is important and even indispensable for the spiritual life to set apart time for God, and God alone, prayer can only become unceasing prayer when all of our thoughts, beautiful or ugly, high or low, proud or shameful, sorrowful or joyful, when everything can be thought in the presence of God. Guys, for me, this has become crucial to learn to invite God into every area of my life, to let every moment of my life be lived in his presence as an unceasing prayer, regardless of what it looks like. Because guys, I'm a mess. Okay, it's not always clean and pretty. And when I have my radar turned on and my attention is focused on the reality of God being with me, I find that what happens is that my heart becomes open to these sacred moments of invitation where he invites me to leave my tired, broken, and frustrated way of doing things. And he invites me into what he is doing. And he invites me to respond to situations with love and grace and peace and compassion and solidarity, which is so much better than what I want to do. Last month, Brian and I took the kids to Dolphin Island, and we stayed there for about a week. And one of their favorite things to do while we're there is just go along the beach and pick up shells. And Skylar comes up to me with this bucket of shells, and she wants to show me each one and tell me why they're so amazing. And we're sitting there looking at her shells, and I notice that every one of them is broken in this bucket. And she looks at me and says, Mom, don't you just love the broken ones best? Aren't they so beautiful? Aren't they so much more interesting? St. Irenaeus said that the glory of God is man fully alive. When we are fully engaged and connected to our own hearts and the people around us and to our world and to nature and to the love of our creator, that's when we're fully alive, when we're fully human. And just by being present with my seven-year-old daughter, discovering the beauty and wonder found in broken shells. That right there, that's an act of worship. And when we are fully present and engaged, suddenly things before that we might have discarded as ordinary and worthless become sacred gifts of God's presence in our lives. So let's jump back to Jacob for a minute. Do you know what he did after he had this experience? He wakes up, he realizes God was here, and he grabs that rock he was sleeping on, and he sets it up, and he takes oil, and he pours it over the rock to signify the presence of God was here. He built this altar so he would remember. I think Jacob was smart enough to realize how quickly we forget, how quickly we get pulled back into autopilot mode, and we start to go numb, we start to just go through the motions, distracted, disconnected from each other, disconnected from our own hearts, and disconnected from God. I have, um, it's in my pocket, I have this rock here. This is not special. It did not come from anywhere exotic. It came from a ditch. 
This is something I would have discarded as trash, but to my kids who found it and brought it home, this is a treasure, and they gave it to me. So this rock sits on our bookshelf in our living room, and I notice it every day as I'm just walking around the house, and I smile, and I think I need to slow down. I need to be present to the people in my house, to God who is in this place right now. You know, Jacob, he was one messed up dude at this point in his story. But I think his act of setting up a rock was brilliant because, like Jacob, we all need to be reminded. We have to find ways to stop and recalibrate our radars to the love and presence of God that saturates our lives. So this week, I want you to carry around some questions with you and just think about this. I want you to ask yourself, am I really awake? Or am I finding myself checking out and just going through those motions again? Do you find yourself questioning if God is really with you? Or do you feel disconnected? Do you notice and deeply appreciate the gifts of God in your life, even if you're going through something very painful and difficult? And last, do you need to create some reminders? Do you need to start setting up some altars in your life to help you remember, to help you be aware to the love and presence of God? Do you maybe need to just go on a walk this week and be quiet and just say to yourself, he's here, and maybe pick up a rock and bring it home? Let's pray. The psalmist says, where can I go from your spirit, Lord? Where can I flee from your presence? God, we just ask you to help us wake up. Help us to become attuned to the reality that you are here with us, God, wherever we may find ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, that's it. Thanks a lot. Um, I don't know if we have, I'm sure we have some prayer team people here, but if you need some prayer, feel free to come up. We're happy to pray with you.